All right. What's going on, college basketball fans? We are here with another summertime off-season podcast. This is the 50th episode of Mad About Hoops. We really, really appreciate if you have been checking us out, if you've been one of our regular listeners. Please, if you got other friends that are college basketball fans and they're looking to cram another podcast into their daily list, please give them this one. And of course, we're trying to record some episodes that are pretty evergreen, that you don't actually have to listen to right when we drop them, like the one that we're going to do today. So we don't have any evil bald Colin today. It's just me. He's going to be back for the very next one, but doing some different things in the summertime, like episode 49. If you go back to the last one, we did our first Mad About Hoops legal screening where we watched an old basketball classic film, Hoosiers. We actually collaborated with one of our other podcasts at 97.1 The Fan, the Nerd Association, the Nerd Association guys who are into the TV shows and the movies, maybe a little bit more than we are. I'm actually a gigantic movie buff, and I love breaking down TV shows too, but either way, we got their help, and it was a great, great listen, talking about Coach Norman Dale and his squad from Hoosiers. It was a good time. So this one's going to be just a full-on interview. Recently, I caught up with Ed McCants. Remember Ed McCants? This guy was a Horizon League Player of the Year in the mid-2000s. Two straight seasons. He averaged over 17 points per game. If you're an Ohio basketball person, he's from Marion. He is back in Central Ohio now. He's doing a lot of basketball camps. He's coaching girls basketball. He's doing things on the camp circuit and trying to get girls scholarship opportunities. So we're going to talk heavily about women's sports. We're going to talk about the NCAA tournament. We'll look back at that magical Sweet 16 run. I just, I fantasize about playing at a mid-major and getting into the tournament and winning a game or two. And he got to live that. And they eventually ran into Illinois, the one seed. The year, remember, that Illinois lost one time in the regular season, and that was at the hands of our good buddy, Matt Sylvester, Matty Sly, and the Ohio State Buckeyes, just sort of getting underway in the Thad Mata era. That is the team that Ed McCants, UW-Milwaukee Panthers lost to, coached by Bruce Pearl, who, of course, would become one of the more bubbly, colorful coaches in all of college basketball. I just... The gifts of him making his faces on the sidelines, sweating through his shirts, they they just sort of live in my mind. With, who knows? Maybe without Ed McCants playing the ball that he played for him, helping that team to a Sweet 16 run, you could easily argue you don't get that that job at Tennessee or get the bump up to a, a higher level of Divi Division One college basketball as a coach. So there's a lot of things we're going to talk to with Ed about. Really interesting guy. Just catching up with him, what life has been like, what he's up to, the tournament run. We uh, are going to ask him why he loves this game, a little bit about playing overseas and what that's like. So I hope you enjoy it. Episode 50 of Mad About Hoops, talking with Ed McCants, coming your way. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backboard. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He, he makes it! The, he hit it! He Evan Turner! It. He hit it just inside of half court! Leans on the other wing. He finds oh! 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 Sent it in, Jerome! Oh! 
March Madness. And we got a really, really interesting guest here as we love talking to people who are in the game, played the game, whether that's high school experience, college experience, professional experience, people with interesting journeys, paths. And we got Ed McCants joining us now on the 50th episode of Mad About Hoops. Ed, we've been chatting back and forth on social media for a while, trying to hammer something out, trying to do something. It's great to finally uh, be able to connect with you. How's life, man? How's everything going with you? What's new? It's great. Uh, moved back to the Buckeye State. Um, you know, after our triumphant run, which actually, piggybacking off the number 50, we were just honored. Our Sweet 16 run in Milwaukee was just honored as one of the top 50 moments in sports in Wisconsin sports history. Um, we were number 31. But since Giannis won, I'm going to get bumped down another notch this year again. We just keep getting – it keeps getting smaller and smaller significance. Yes, <laughs> as yes. As time goes on. Yep, Milwaukee. But congratulations to the Bucks. Yeah, right. I mean, sports in Wisconsin has definitely been in the forefront. I mean, you, you almost forget that the Green Bay Packers are in Wisconsin, up there uh, far away from Milwaukee, up north. But they count. And with everything going on with Aaron Rodgers this offseason, then now, yes, the Milwaukee Bucks – I don't know about you, man, but it was just great for an impartial NBA fan to see a couple of teams like the Suns and the Bucks. The Bucks are led by that guy, Giannis. We were kind of holding him accountable, saying you're too good to not get a title. The Suns, I think, were more of the happy-to-be-there approach, even though Chris Paul yep. was such a great storyline for me. I'm, I feel bad for him because I'm such a fan of CP3 to see the 36-year-old dude actually leading the charge for that team. And Most people thought it would be on the back of Devin Booker, but – it was really CP3, in my opinion, who led him there, led him through the postseason. But great for Milwaukee. Just glad to see a new champ. It was a great run. And I tell you what, the whole thing about the whole the whole atmosphere up there, when they kept showing the Deer District and all that, right? Panther Arena is right in the background. No one else in the world notices that but me. I'm the only person <laughs> noticing, like, yeah, the Panthers are in the background. But, yeah, it's an exciting time. We, uh, we just signed Patrick Baldwin Jr. Obviously, his dad was a big impact of him coming to Milwaukee. Um, but, yeah, Milwaukee, you know, they're, you know, they're going up. Travis Diener just hit that big three last year in the TBT. You know, we got Carmen's crew doing their thing again, um, you know, back-to-back champs. So. And I had my team. We actually lost to Ohio State back in 2016. I have put my Milwaukee alumni team in as a general manager, and we lost to Scooney Penn. And then that's back when they were actually Scarlet and Gray. I don't think they were Carmen's crew yet. Um, I think they were Scarlet and Gray. But, yeah, great right. team. Getting to watch them compete again. That's awesome. Yep. A lot of stuff going on. Yeah, there's a lot going on. You mentioned TBT. That's it's a really interesting thing, man. And I – What's how are you involved with TBT right now? Do you have an affiliation? Do you have a, a dog in the fight right now? You mentioned Travis Diener's squad and the Marquette dudes. Are the, are you looking to get involved with this? Have you have you been in the past? I told the TBT that if Marquette would have hosted, and usually the TBT allows, um, you know, the winner of that region to host, but they didn't move it to Milwaukee. Obviously, Columbus, Ohio is a marquee spot. Our, the Buckeye fans are like right. none other in the country. Right. And I can say that having played at Northwestern, having played at mid-major universities, um, been all over the world, never seen anything like Buckeye Nation. Uh, you know, hats off to Buckeye Nation. Even being at Northwestern, you know, I would still have in my heart, like, we have a problem when we go back to Ohio. Like, we're different in Ohio. <laughs> so that's why you guys brought me here, right? You guys needed some Ohio guys. But, yeah, it's uh, it, it's been great. I, if they had hosted in Milwaukee, you know, I would have done it. But it's just a lot of work. I got guys all over the place, you know, playing here and there with 
Ohio State team, a lot of the guys might come back home. A lot of the guys are from here. It'd be easier if I was from Milwaukee. Um, but it's a lot of, you know, tugging and pulling. I got to drive up to get to training camp, and it was just a lot of stuff. So um, I just haven't had the time. But if they host it up there again, I, I may jump back in it. <laughs> you know, it's you, – you mentioned your time at Northwestern. You were in the Big Ten, and you find your home at Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Now, you know, the mid-major option is something that can be great – for so many basketball players, if you're not finding the minutes, maybe something happens, y- you can you can make a name for yourself. You certainly did by becoming a player of the year. Like now there there are not many conference players of the year that are out there just walking around. I got to imagine that's something that you're really proud of how your career took off at the college level when you found your spot with the Panthers. It, you know, it comes back. It's funny you say that. And, you know, we're on a Buckeye network. Um, it comes around full circle because, you know, I thought it would be great. And it was. I'm not trying to take away from my own career or anything. Um, but there's something about playing at home. And if I could have been playing with T. Dials and Sylvester and Brandon Fush Cheatham and J.J. Sullinger and Stockman and all my friends from Ohio, I felt like the year we lost to Illinois in the Sweet 16, that was the year the only team in the country had beat Illinois, and that was my friends. And I was just like, man, if I would have just stayed. Oh, they, they decided to redshirt me, though. They offered my senior year, decided to redshirt me because Ken Johnson was getting his fifth year back, and he was a tremendous shot blocker. Oh, man, Ken Johnson, and, what a stud he was, right? Yeah, absolutely. So a tough decision for them. Um, I just didn't want to be patient, you know, overzealous teenager, you know, wanting to prove that I'm ready for Big Ten basketball right now. And at the end of the day, I ended up having the red shirt anyway. <laughs> so it was like, you know, could he just been at home? But, you know, Bruce Pearl, you know, he ended up getting to Tennessee and the university up there had a lot to be proud of. You know, probably my only regret was not being able to raise a banner in the Schottenstein. I'd been to so many games, so many future Buckeye days. That was really, you know, the ultimate dream was to put that banner up. And now there's a gap there permanently. The banner's in Milwaukee. Um, right. Well, and so. we, we know like we, we take banners down these days that were really actually one, two, and uh, they've still got that going with this, the Scooney Penn final four team. When you go back yep. into the late nineties, right. With Scooney and Michael yep. red, what a team that was, but some stuff happened at Ohio state and they took it down and nobody's recognizing it. I think they should stop with that. Just give, yeah, pun- when give, did that happen? give punishments, have a team or the individual serve them and then move on with life. Well, that's that something way. with uh, Coach O'Brien. That's something with Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, that was. You're yes, oh, yes. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, yes, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, there, there, there was some. I'm, I'm, I'm slipping on the name now. Um, I don't want to say it and get it wrong and go back and have to make an edit. But yeah, impermissible benefits. The, the norm. Yeah, right? there was something. Yeah. yeah, I remember there was the something. Stuff that's been, the stuff that's been going on for 50 years in college sports. Not saying that makes it right, or there should be a punishment, and then you serve it, but as far as keeping banners up and titles, especially I think when time passes, it's like, what's the big deal? Yeah, 20 years have, have gone on. What's the big of. deal? Yeah. That was a great run. You know, you know, keep it up there. Yeah. But guys, we're with Ed McCants. He's with us here on mad about hoops. And we're, we're going through a little bit of his basketball journey. And you were talking a lot about the Buckeyes back there and those teams in the mid two thousands, when you you know, played at Northwestern, you went the JUCO route, and then you came back up to the mid-major ranks in Division One. 
and had a heck of a run. Player of the year in the horizon. You make that sweet 16 run. How, at a school like that, you know, I, I went before I, so a little bit about me, I went for a year of school in Utah. I had to move out there with my parents right before my senior year of high school. Interesting thing to do when you're a young kid growing up in Virginia, and then your parents say, yeah, and then, then your parents say, Tim, we got a job uh, transfer. It's it's in the state of Utah. And I'm like, Utah? What? Like, <laughs> Mom and dad, are you, more, are you Mormon and you haven't told about, me this yeah. yet? Yeah. It's like, no, no. Okay. So cultural shift, fine. You got to go. You do it. So I, I, I go to Weber State for a couple years, right? And that's where, you know, Harold the Show Arsenault had a great run and that Weber State Absolutely. team beat North Carolina. Right Now I missed that team, but the year I was there, Weber State was awesome. They went undefeated in the big sky. And I really got into the team, into that aspect in this small campus environment and yeah. what the team meant. And I just thought it was a really, really cool experience. I'm glad I had it. Here you are. You lived it. You played on a team. You were the player of the year. You were the guy who averaged over 17 points per game. And you're part of a team that actually did something and won a couple of games and got to the second weekend. I mean, those are memories that live forever. Yeah, it's 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 great. It's always great to go back there and even to talk to Ohioans. The last game I got to play was actually at Cleveland. It was at Cleveland State. So that's where I got to end my career is winning those two first-round games in Cleveland. And that was extra humbling as well to be like, man, I get to come back home. And there was just another, there was another chip on my shoulder being like, I'm back home. You know, certain teams right. from Ohio aren't even in the tournament, you know, but here I am. So, you know, let's put on a show. So it was fun. It was probably funnest funnest tournament around my of my life was right there in Cleveland, Ohio. What is the greatest thing to you about the NCAA tournament? Like what what makes that thing special? What makes it so special is that oftentimes you have all these teams that aren't on TV and you don't hear about them all the time and but they're watching the TV. And guys watch ESPN and we watch the NCAA stats and we, we watch the chat rooms. We, we may not comment and talk probably now. So more people talk on social media, but back in my day, it was, it was taboo to be on social media. It was a bad thing. Don't get in there. Don't pay attention to that. Use it for motivation, but don't let it consume you. And anymore now you'll have like a million people comment in on someone's, you know, we just didn't do all that. Um, so I hear you. Said, yeah is, uh, you know, just a different, just a little bit of a different time period in that regard. Uh, it's it's an interesting point. Well, no, no, just since you went there, it's an interesting point you make on social media about how when it was new, it was bad. And now it's it's just like with a lot of things, right? You just can't stop yep. it. So you may, you may as well embrace it. There is no way you are going to reverse that or put the worms yep. back in the can. And I, I'm kind of with you in a way maybe the world would be better off without social media. You can just yep. hope that people use it in a sensible manner and don't shoot themselves in the foot. And they just, yep. a lot of things, right? It'll be trial by fire, right? You make mistakes, you pay yep. for them, and that's how that works. But that's it's an interesting point. It was bad at the beginning. Now it's been out for so long, you just have to deal with it because it's so prevalent. Yep, and, and with that, the motivational aspect you get as a player from seeing all that stuff and not being able to really comment, I feel like, that's the that's the hunger and kind of the unseen tenacity that's brought to the tournament that people don't realize. You're talking about four and five year guys who have worked just as hard as the guys at North Carolina, at Duke, and oftentimes they're older, more mature, 
you know, maybe they're not as inclined to be athletically gifted, so they bought into their programs and their systems. And now you're getting champions of teams that have exhibited these systems. You're getting the champion champions of systems in there against your younger, um, high potential guys. And so that just creates a lot of parity with the seeds. It gets it gets better and better every year um, because more schools, and especially with the likeness now, more schools are able to attract these uh, big name players. Um, once you get to the Final Four or the Sweet Sixteen a couple times. Kids recognize that with social media and everything else now, even more so. And they're like, hey, you know, we can, we're winning over here. And then they get on the, you get on campus like a Weber State of Milwaukee and realize these fans are just as diehard as the Dukies or anywhere else. They care. Um, they're at the games. They show up, whether ESPN's there or not, and they're passionate. And, you know, that's what we play for, you know, that those fans and the student body and right. the administration. Um, so, you know, when you go to the tournament, you just got to look out because everybody has been working for this dream. And it's not necessarily as black and white as people think, you know, as it relates to the top 25. That's what's so great about it. And with the landscape of college sports changing so much, my only hope is that the NCAA tournament stays and, and it can outlast anything that comes our way because college football is just breaking apart all around us, right? We could see it's just massively changing. And when we wake up 10 or 15 years down the line, who the heck knows how it's going to look, what the playoffs like. And I'm, I'm all for that, by the way, I think that makes it more fun. That's what college basketball has had. And that's what's made March madness. So special owning an entire month out of the calendar and for teams like yours, like that's what's special about it. And yep. you know, here in Ohio, you mentioned the fan base is a team that, you can't recruit from the top of the pile, but can make those runs. And it doesn't matter, you know, what their team looks like. And that's Dayton. Like I got a lot of respect for Dayton over to yep. the West. They don't play in a big conference, but it doesn't matter. Like their fans are there. You mentioned passionate. Oh my goodness. Like they show up 15,000 strong every game. Campus. Yep. You can get a kid on campus, 15,000. And you watch a couple of videos of the past and the history. And you look at them banners. You you can see yourself at home, you know, really, relatively easy um, because they have the history now that, you know, their challenge is getting those kids on campus, making us one of your top five priority. But if they get on, if you get on campus, you will learn that there's a there's, there's these there's these legendary histories that we all see, but don't really re- realize like Butler and their stadium movie was filmed in Hoosiers like Hoosiers was filmed there. Mm, I love know, that movie. Reason. Yeah, we just and did. Those, did you listen to our last podcast? Our last podcast uh-uh, not the last one. is a, an entire breakdown of Hoosiers just since you brought it up. So you got to check oh, that wow. out. If you <laughs> like that movie, we went for like an hour breaking down that movie, the good and the bad, everything about it. Well, Hinkle Fieldhouse legendary. You know, of what course. kid wouldn't want to go to like a mid-major, like a Butler and with that history and, you know, I, I remember just being at Purdue Stadium, not that they're mid-major, but just being in Mackey Arena was just like all those such rich history, especially in the Midwest. So did you um, think of Hinkle when you were a college player like that? Like, did you kind yeah, of notice yeah. it and feel that when you were playing and appreciate it? Yeah, because I had watched the movies there. I remembered who was it, Nick Nolte? Yeah, that in Blue was Chips. Coach? Yeah, blue, well, Blue Chips. Oh, no, I don't know. No, Hoosiers, who was the... Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman Gene is coach Hackman, da- is Gene coach Hackman. Dale from Hoosiers. Yeah, yeah. That the I, Blue I Chips was filmed in a high school gym in Indiana, actually. Yep, yep. Yeah, I just remembered those memories and kind of the flashbacks of the movies, and I knew where I was. It was just like you kind of get chills. Like I'm here, and I'm about to play a real game. 
like a college game like at this. And of course, Coach Pearl was telling us about the history and you cannot let your players go into Hinkle Fieldhouse blindsided. They, that's like the mid-major Duke. Ed McCants is with us. He played at Milwaukee, Wisconsin, mentioning their Sweet 16 run in the 2005 NCAA tournament. That, of course, was North Carolina's year. That was Illinois. That was the team that knocked you guys out 77-63. to What specifically do you remember about that game and how much of a juggernaut Illinois was? You mentioning Ohio State being the only team, and our guy Matty Sly with the three-pointer corner pocket to get that game done. But you, you made it, and you, you lost to the eventual runners-up. I just remember the poise of that team and the fact that they would never, never let it down. And even when we went on runs, it was like going on runs was the norm for them. And that's when I knew, like, these guys are different. Like, it wasn't like, you know, when you're in competition, you're like, uh, oh, gosh, we're going to get beat. But just after the third time, we're hot. Like, if you watch the first four or five minutes of that game, it was probably the highest scoring four minutes you've ever seen. And we came out on fire. And we were like, okay, you know, we're going to be focused and run these guys out of here. And when we saw after four or five minutes, we were coming out unloading our best and they're still going on runs against our best, we were like, whoa, whoa, these guys, are, these guys are different. And we only lost by nine, but it was just like the tempo, the tempo of those guys, Darren Williams, D. Brown, Luther Head, Young Legs. Augustine, right, the big guy? Yep, Roger Powell. I think Russ McBride was coming off the bench. Just whew, so many weapons. Yeah. Just an impressive team. Yeah, they were they were really really good, and that's why it it took North Carolina and Sean May and those dudes, and I think that was Roy Williams' second season since taking over at North Carolina after he left Kansas, where yep. it kind of showed you how bad of a coach Doherty really was and what was going on there. Roy comes in, yep. sprinkles some magic dust around, and, and they're a winner. So I'm uh, I'm curious, you know, we we talked a little bit about what you're doing now, and uh, you are you're all about girls basketball and women's basketball and you talked about you know running some camps and some clinics and helping to get girls in central ohio the looks that they deserve so they can get some scholarship opportunities tell us a bit more about what you're doing you know uh never thought i would be an ambassador of women's basketball by any stretch of the imaginations but i have a daughter who's 10 and I just couldn't wait to get her on the court. So since she's been like three or four, I've been at these youth AAU tournaments, first and second and third and fourth and fifth graders, and uh, just posting pictures, recognizing kids. Um, I created this uh, scouting service called The Watch List, and it's just a platform to help continue to inspire and let people know that girls are starting at an earlier age. Um, You know, we want to provide a lot of programming, a lot of new programming that's um, just girls only so we can continue to encourage them to build their own culture and be proud of their own. Um, that's really it's what it's about is just empowering the youth, empowering the girls, you know, dream big. Um, so we got the Cinderella League in Columbus, Ohio. You got Tanya McClure-Harris and Coach Shackelford, um, former Ohio State Buckeye girls. Um, you know, I know down in South, South Ohio, you got Brandy Hoskins is doing a lot of stuff with girls and um, up in Cleveland. You know, we're going to be heading up that way soon, you know, trying to get my league off there, you know, just trying to take a look at the youth and continue to inspire those those little girls out here. But it, there's a lot of talent in Ohio. Um, 
for, for girls basketball. I don't know if people recognize, but all the time there's players, you know, we got what's her name at uh, Tennessee, Jordan Horston. Um, that Afrocentric team was nationally ranked in the top number one for probably three to four years. You know, just fabulous basketball out of Ohio. So um, it's been fun, and we're going to continue to push and, you know, try to get these young ladies out here earlier and get organized and get them out here on the national scene. So just pushing the dream, man. Yeah. Pushing the dream on the girl side. How much, too, does that sort of change your perception when you got more involved with the girls' game? How much does that change your perception about it? Because for the longest time, guys that are fans of men's basketball, when you're talking with your buddies, everybody would take a slam on, on the girls' game, right? And, oh, they're not athletic enough. And I think as we get older that you just sort of you lose that and you start to appreciate how sports are for everybody, right? And I think I lost that. I think I lost that kind of male high school chauvinistic boys versus girls superiority complex probably when i went to the big 10 got my shot blocked a couple of times by a couple of girls on the girls team just <laughs> nice, not yeah. taking them serious yeah these are girls and then your blo- your shots blocked out of bounds and she's bumping you like really like really you're bumping into me so they're ready to play they're not here to hear any of that they 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 lace up just like we do every day um they're fundamentally sound and girls now are getting stronger taller faster so you literally you know Maybe generally guys are more athletic, but girls know how to play these days. And it's just a matter of time before you do see someone be able to, you know, make the end of a roster as a shooter or, you know, one of those positions first, I would imagine. That's unbelievable, you know, to think about. And I'm not even coming to a point from, like, you know, crossing over with the sports with with genders. I mean, there's always just going to be – it's tough – you look at the athleticism and the size and the speed of the guys that play in the NBA. It's not even about that Mm -hmm. for me. It's just about – the place for both sports and that when I watch, I think the Olympics being on right now is a, a great reminder of, of how we need to emphasize and promote women's sports across the lot a bit more because I, I sit down in front of the TV and it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. It only seems to matter when you're talking about, basketball right that's really the only sport we seem to bring this up in and how one's superior to the other and you kind of get it but you also want to just dismiss that right yeah well that that's not fair that they can't jump you know and touch a 12 the the top of the backboard right it's just they're not wired that way but i watch the i watch olympics and i'm like man i don't care if i'm watching men's or women's swimming it's impressive i'm not really fixated on the times right I just see yep. people in the pool competing. I see people who have trained, who have worked, who've been coached well, and they're pouring their freaking heart and soul into what they do. Let's be honest. That's what Let's I be care about. about this. Let's, if we're honest about this, what's the only difference between girls and boys basketball? Just, only difference just is the dunking. gender. That's it. Dun- yeah. dunking. dunking. There you go. Dunking. dunking. There you go. Everything yeah. else is the same. You're probably going to see less travels with the girls. Um, <laughs> um, but everything else is the same. You're going to see great offense. You're going to see post plays. You're going to see there's no, there's absolutely 100% no difference except for vertical jump. Man. And you know, I watched Kelsey Plum, right? She was, I don't know with the time difference right now from here to Tokyo and just this being a podcast too, it could be irrelevant by the time you guys listen to this, but it three on three is like super fun to watch. And Kelsey Plum is out there and she's just a jitterbug. I mean, 
She mm-hmm. has she has handles. She's a stud, oh, man. right? She can yeah. she can play. She could break you down and hit a twenty foot jump shot right between your eyes, like right off the dribble. Yep. Like it's it's impressive to watch. Yeah, you want to see amazing one on one play. You want to see amazing shooters, like you said, ball handlings, passing. You're gonna get you're gonna get the same show. You're gonna get the same show. So I, I've enjoyed watching. Plus, my daughter, my wife is a, a hardcore feminist. So, and my daughter is being raised with that same type of female pride. She doesn't want to watch NBA games. Um, if I have an NBA game, come here, Lexi, sit down and watch uh, Chris Paul. No, Dad, I want to watch the girls. I don't want to watch the boys. You always try to make me watch the boys. Nice. So now fine. i got to find yeah. girls' games, So, which is fine. You know, I, I, that's what you want. I support that. She don't want to watch the boys. She's a girl. So, <laughs> Ed, I wanted to ask real quick. Like, what was your professional basketball experience like? I know you didn't do it for as long as some of the other guys out there. Like, you look at a guy like Ron Lewis. We're talking about TBT, someone who played at Ohio State. He's 36 years old, and he's just he's been on a, a pro roster overseas for a long, long time. But you played in Hungary. You played in Bulgaria. I just always find it fascinating what the life is like. I mean, I, I know, like, every the dream is to get to the NBA, but yeah. it can't always happen, right? And you're going to play basketball for as long as you think you can, or if you got other things in life that pop up, that could happen. But just what, what was that experience? You played in some leagues in Michigan, but also played overseas. I got to imagine you, you experienced some things, saw some things that were neat. For me, uh, overseas was beautiful. It was great to live amongst other cultures. Um, you know, pay attention to their customs and even try out their customs for a while. But at the end of the day, I think the the motivational aspect of wanting to play college basketball and the NBA is because you get to play in front of your fans. You get to play in front of your friends and family. And when I was overseas, it just felt like that whole part was missing. So it was like, it was like a shell of me on the court. I can go out and hoop, but just the passion, like you can't even understand what the fans are saying sometimes, um, you know, their chants and their songs. So it's like at that point, you know, I'm just playing for a check. Um, maybe if I would have been a little more open-minded, because I went into it kind of closed-minded, as in I want to get this over with and try to make my splash, make my way into the NBA as soon as possible. Because I, I had a I had a knee scope at the end of my uh, senior year. I was going to have to have a knee scope, so I was getting my knee drained throughout the tournament. wasn't practicing as much. And upon my workout with Sacramento, they said, you know, they were going to draft me with that second-round pick, but I had questions about me icing. So they inquired to the trainers, and they told them I had my knee drained, and that was enough to get me drafted to the D-League. And the D-League wasn't nothing like it was today. You know, guys are getting six figures. It was 18000 15, 18, and 21000 Sure, yeah. So it was like you got to go overseas to play in a credible league and hope that the right person sees you. So I, I just decided to come back home, uh, got my master's degree in psychology, and I'm a psychology professor now. So just scouting kids. And, and you're at Marion Tech, right? Marion Tech. Yep. yep. Marion Technical College here in Marion, Ohio. Yep. Man, that's, uh, you know, I, a guy like me, though, it, I would consider it a dream just to have a cup of coffee playing any kind of professional basketball. I've even had dreams where I played like three games of minor league baseball, and I consider that like otherworldly. <laughs> so, what well, they say, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Like at the end of the day, all I had to do was play ball. Like, I'll never get that experience back again. So I wish I would have enjoyed and embellished in the experience more than I did. But, you know, it was fun, and it was fun to travel. Was, I just felt like my heart wasn't into it. Those guys who were able to stay over there for eight and nine and ten years, I salute them. Like, they're a different breed. Like, homesickness is not a thing for them. <laughs> they, you know, they're, sure. they're, they're super focused because 
really you're there just to play ball and you only practice three or four hours a day and then the rest of the time is downtime you're just taking care of your body and getting ready to play ball you don't sometimes you're in these little small towns you can't even go anywhere um because you're so far away from everything so um but some guys you know they they get accustomed to it some get their passports over there and may even see them on the olympic teams or a national team so you know hats off to those guys ron lewis has had a great career he has yeah he has and a lot of a lot of buckeyes it seems you know we i'd love to see more ohio state buckeyes kill it in the nba i feel like the majority of guys that we've produced have gone on and had big time overseas careers and that's okay and you can you can have a lot of fun make a little bit of money and then come back and have some opportunities but guys we've been talking to ed mccants here and it's been a a really fun conversation i I would ask to leave us, as I, I try to do with every guest we have on the pod, we, we, we titled the podcast Mad About Hoops simply because me uh, and the other guy, Evil Bald Colin, who does it with me, we just were crazy about the game. We love the game. So if you could just tell, uh, tell me why you fell in love with this game, either when that was, when you knew this was going to be something you'd be doing, you know, picking up a basketball and dribbling it and how that all came about. Well, you know, it's going to sound crazy, but and I'm getting old to say this, but it was a different day then. Um, kids spent a lot more time on these devices and on YouTube and all this different stuff. I had three VHS tapes, which is Michael Jordan, Come Fly With Me, Pistol Pete, The Birth of a Legend, and probably like Above the Rim. And I used to watch those <laughs> things, just the basketball scenes every day, and go outside and just practice those moves. Um, I just knew that I was going to be in the NBA. Um when I was little, it used to be like the person that's saying in the camp, like you guys, some of you are going to be college players. It was like he was talking to me. Um, so I was just a crazy, crazy, crazy kid. I grew up in the Jordan era. So if you got a chance to me watch too, Jordan man. live, you got a chance to watch Jordan live. He, it, it's different than LeBron. LeBron is great, and we can get into that debate until we're blue in the face. However, Don't Jordan make me was do more, it. <laughs> right? <laughs> Jordan was like magical. There was like when he got on that six – championship streak it was like he was superhuman like he couldn't miss he couldn't miss clutch shots yeah you just knew if he got it in his hands it was going down there wasn't a mystery yeah it was just he could go in to four people and somehow move the ball six different ways get contact no foul call and make it like it was effortless like effortless and that I think that's when you know when you talk about being the GOAT Although I'm a, I'll, I'll argue LeBron because I'm from Ohio and I hate hearing about players uh, from other places that are their best. Uh, so I'm always going to argue LeBron's side. But at the end of the day, Jordan was just doing some just miraculous things on the court, um, and we all witnessed it. We all witnessed his greatness. It, it was a pretty unbelievable run. We're kind of the same in that I had one of those videotapes as well i know the one you speak of the one that i had was called michael jordan's playground and it yep. started that out the first one yeah it started out with like a little boy he was just shooting on the streets and he like missed a shot and the ball rolled over to the side of the blacktop yep. and then michael jordan's shoe just like stopped the ball and he like reached yep. down and he palmed it and picked it up and he was just wearing the most sweet ass basketball gear too he had yep. the compression yep. shorts poking out the bottom that's when shorts were like a normal length that's where we kind of gone back to where you can show yep. off the thigh a little bit now. It's not about the uh, Michigan Fab Five where the shorts go down below the kneecap. <laughs> yeah, we got the Indiana gear on. It's great. Yeah, right. It's more the uh, Utah Jazz, John Stockton, Indiana type of gear. But yes, sir. <laughs> Ed McCants, 
uh, player of the year in the Horizon League, led University of Milwaukee, Wisconsin for Bruce Pearl in uh, that Sweet 16 run. God, did I did I even ask you about Bruce Pearl? You got to give me one good thing about Bruce Pearl before we go. Bruce, I mean, you talk about a lightning rod coach. Bruce, players coach. Bruce is the type of guy, if you just happen to be on in class, we better be in class because they check anyway. But you're in class, and uh, he might just pop up into your classroom and host a pep rally. Um, pretty random guy, but definitely he, he really attacks the, the campus atmosphere and is concerned solely with fanfare. He believes if you get those fans in there and you have players that are happy playing, you know, they're going to sell out and do their best. And that's kind of always been his secret. He's a player's coach. He's a fan's coach. You know, and he's a great person to play for. I had a lot of fun playing for Coach Pearl. All right, Bruce Pearl, he's still doing his thing in college basketball. Talk about a journey that he's had as well. And as Ed told us a uh, off the, at the beginning of this chat, look out for Patrick Baldwin Jr., little father-son connection. UW-Milwaukee actually pulled in a five-star recruit, six-foot-nine senior, Patrick Baldwin Jr., going to play for his dad, so... Could be a little uh, influx of talent for the Panthers right there. Ed McCants, glad to hear uh, you sound uh, happy and healthy, man. All the best to you, okay? Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. And once again, really, really happy that Ed McCants joined us here on episode 50 of Mad About Hoops. Exactly the kind of people that I wanted to talk to. People that you might not have been thinking about every single day for the last 10 years of your life, but you hear their name and you say, oh man, like I remember that team. I remember that guy. 2005 Horizon League Player of the Year led University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee to a sweet 16 run. You talk about NCAA tournament memories that last a lifetime. Two times this guy averaged over 17 points per game. It's great to hear how he's doing, what he's involved with, and what the game of basketball gave to him, and now what he's given back to the game. So, Ed, thank you very much, man. That was awesome. Evil Bald Colin is going to be back with me as we're going to get in the booth pretty soon. There's just a lot of a lot of stuff going on with college sports in general, how it's going to wind up affecting college basketball. I know he and I are going to want to talk some Ohio State hoops as well and talk about the roster that looks to be finalized now that Dwayne Washington Jr. is going to go in with the Indiana Pacers organization. EJ Liddell, of course, sticking around Ohio State. So there's going to be a lot of fun things to break down as we get to the end of the summer and get closer and closer to college basketball season, the 2021-2022 season. It's going to be upon us before we know it. So everybody, keep on keeping on. Enjoy the rest of your summer. If we don't see you, I, well, I don't know why I said that. I, we're going to see you before the summer is up. Just have a good rest of your day, rest of your week, whatever. And we'll see you next time on Mad About Hoops.